Hey everyone, uh, before we get to the episode today, I just wanted to come on and give a little pre-warning here. Um, the subject of suicide is brought up a few times in this podcast. I know it could be a sensitive subject for some people, so I just wanted to come on and give a warning before you know the content surprised anybody. Um, so hopefully you're able to still listen, and we totally understand if you need to pass on this episode for that reason, and we hope you tune in to future episodes. And now, on to the show. This is Indexed. Welcome everyone to Indexed, the podcast where we dive into a band's discography and ranking, while touching on their history, influences, and their place in the musical pantheon along the way. I'm your host, Mike Scarpelli, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Phil Beeler. Today's episode is IDX 4.0, and we'll be indexing the discography of Frightened Rabbit. Welcome back to Index, everyone. Uh, we are at episode four. Uh, we are just kind of trucking along here. I think uh, if you haven't figured it out yet, we are on a recording delay of sorts. So at the time of the recording, the episode's probably not going to be out for at least a month or two. So the topics might not make a lot of sense <laughs> <laughs> that we talk about at times. Um, but at the time of this recording, we just survived like a brutal week and a half of uh, winter weather here in Chicago. It has not been fun. Phil has helped me dig out my car at least two times. Yes. And it's just really frustrating, man. I'm waiting. I'm, I saw some melt out today, so it's happening, I think. I think we're supposed to get hit one more time uh, tomorrow. Yeah. As long as it's like couple inches, a little powdery, nothing too big a deal. I think we'll be okay. I know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I think it's going to be like above freezing, I think, for the first time in a while. So um, that's going to be nice. I'm outside all day. <laughs> We're all, everyone's going to be out in shorts in Chicago. <laughs> it's basically how it works in the Midwest. I know I have a bunch of friends in Texas and they just got hit hard this week, which, you know, it was very unusual for Texas getting, uh, several inches of snow and sub zero or not sub zero, but sub freezing temperatures. And yeah, so I seeing some photos. There's a lot of issues with apartment complexes, water pipes, bursting ceilings getting, you know, breaking down and stuff falling through. But I think for the most part, everyone I know handled it. Okay. So that's good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been kind of a scary situation. You don't want to see that happening in what's supposed to be a first world country leading the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. But just, uh, yeah, quick one here since you, you brought up references that don't make sense anymore. I have to throw this one in. I just want to confirm I am not a cat. So, um, <laughs> if, if you want to proceed, I I'm, I'm prepared to do that. <laughs> Did you see that guy, that guy got uh milkshake duck pretty fast though. I think, uh, after that came out. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was God. It didn't take long. I think it took like less than a day. And everyone's like, damn, he got milkshake ducked already. <laughs> I mean, he was a lawyer from Texas, so you know he's probably doing on the wrong side of some cases. Oh yeah. That uh it, that that brought joy to me for at least a full day when I first oh. saw that clip though. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I like <laughs> 
I mean, the dude is an older guy, so it's just funny to think like they're gonna think I'm a cat. I need to, I need to tell them I'm not a cat. <laughs> the emotion in the cat's eyes is just yes. what really sold that for me. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it at the point this episode comes out, I think it's worth googling that and finding. Uh, uh, I think you should probably just search what I'm not a cat lawyer, and I bet you that would probably be fine. Oh yeah, yeah, that blew up pretty quickly. So oh, yeah. plenty of. Well, enough weather talk, I guess. We're not we're not the Weather Channel or Tom Skilling, so um we're here, episode four today. Uh we're gonna be touching on Frightened Rabbit. Uh this is a big I think this is the most personal one for me this time around. Um I guess how how uh what's your what was your familiarity with the band coming coming into the podcast? Decently familiar. I definitely, you know, was kind of behind the curve on getting into them. Um, not until, you know, maybe the early, early tens, uh, when I first heard them. Mm-hmm. So a few of the, the bigger ones, um, the, the singles. So off of, uh, the third album, Swim Until You Can't See Land, was kind of the first track I'd really heard from them that I started listening to a little bit more. Uh, but digging into this, definitely hadn't done like a full album dive. Uh, so there's a lot of new songs um, and kind of some of their, their themes and transitions that I hadn't heard before getting mm-hmm. into this. Yeah, this is, I mean, I... It- it had been a hot minute since I've listened to the band. Like I, they're, they're always on rotation for me usually. Um, but when I usually get into like my year end ranking stuff, I kind of start focusing on the current albums and I kind of don't go back to listen to anything older. And so stuff just kind of falls to the wayside. And this happened to be one of the bands, uh, in probably a couple months at least since I've spun at least one of their records. So, uh, it was nice to go back and listen. And this was a tough one too. I know we said in the last one, this was kind of splitting hairs uh, with the Velvet Underground, but this one too, like I had a tough time. I would one, one and two, I kind of figured pretty quick, but then three, four and five, man, I was just back and forth. They were all at different spots. Mm-hmm. It was another splitting hairs one for me. Yeah. I uh, recently got a, got a whiteboard. I put up, in the office here just for a bunch of different things. Uh, so the first thing I started using it for was this. And right now I've, <laughs> I've gotten the five albums written down. I've gotten, I've got like a hundred different versions of numbers with those on like the play order I was going through, how I've got the rankings. So it looks like the, uh, the Charlie day oh, yeah. meme from uh, it's always yeah. sunny. You're just missing some pieces of string basically. And then it's complete. Yeah, so, so many changes. Um, definitely a different, uh, like you brought up, brought that up for the Velvet Underground where some of that was splitting hairs. I, I thought this ended up being tougher, uh, and also for different reasons. Uh, like the Velvet Underground through, they did a, they changed sound a lot through the different albums. Um, so some of that was a preference in, in sound more or less. There, there are some nuances and between the albums here uh, and how they kind of evolve and, and come back to certain themes and everything. But a lot of it, they're uh, 
I thought they're they're kind of very niche in their the sound they put out and especially Scott, uh, the the founder and vocalist and you know, his his life being the backdrop for mm-hmm. much of these. Um so that that made it difficult album to album because they were that much tighter in relationship to each other. Yeah. Yeah, those are all good points. Yeah, this uh they still have the different there's definitely a build in their sound, I think. There's definitely that's kind of where I I had some notes of like where I drew lines in terms of like where their sound changed and, and you could tell certain ways and kind of doing some research, I kind of found some interesting points that I'll touch on when we get um to each of the album talk. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I kind of just yeah, I would just echo everything you just said. I, I kind of have an agreement with what made this so difficult to kind of rank. And for me, since I kind of mentioned this is very personal, like this when we did the Chili Peppers one, you know, I said they were kind of my favorite band for a long time. I think Frightened Rabbit is probably my current favorite band. So this is like ranking the albums is like picking my favorite children essentially. So <laughs> it's a little tougher in that sense, but. Um, I don't need any hardcore fans to come after like, oh, you don't like this one. It's like it's just because I put it, something at number five doesn't mean I hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I, I think the way I've got some things ranked uh, for any of that same fan grouping may cause some minor irritation. But I've got my reasons we'll get into. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, overall, I I really enjoyed going through all of their music and, and diving into this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so of note, this is actually our first international band that we're doing. Uh, they were formed in Selkirk, Scotland. Uh, so I'm now I'm hoping if, well, I know we were supposed to go to, uh, or maybe looking at going to see Illinois football play in Scotland or Ireland this year. And we were going to make it a whole UK trip. Mm-hmm. But I think this will have to be on the list. Now, if I make it over the UK, is go to Selkirk and kind of see what's up there. Yeah, I've, uh, I did a short leg in uh, in Scotland when I did a, a quick Ireland UK trip, um, but that was Glasgow and Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, but I would one hundred percent be down to uh, join in on another Scotland trip. Heck yeah! So the history in the country is beautiful and uh yeah doing some music and some scotch tastings along the way uh, would be perfect maybe we'll i mean maybe we'll run into some frightened rabbit members too while we're at it who knows (laughs) but uh yeah so the band uh was formed solely by scott hutchinson uh back in 2003 kind of started as a solo um you know kind of acoustic type thing and then he kind of slowly built the band. He added his brother Grant on drums and percussion, and then he added Billy Kennedy, um, who played guitar. He played, and then he kind of started playing bass later on. Um, so that was like the first three guys for the first couple albums, and then each consecutive album, they kind of kept adding somebody. So then Andy Monahan gets added for the third album, and then Gordon Skeen comes in for the fourth album. And he eventually leaves in 2015 and he's replaced by Simon Liddell who closes out the tenure with the band as like a additional guitarist and keyboard person. Um, so yeah, just kind of like a little bit of rotation different, you know, I think even though they added all these people, I, Scott was still the, uh, the driving force 
behind the band. Cause he also, I mean, he was the sole songwriter. He also even designed the album art for all the albums, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, well he was, I believe he was actually studying at, to be an illustrator um, mm. at the time when he first started the band. So a lot of that comes from, he, he ended up not having a passion for that, which was good for us, obviously, because now we get some yeah. friend rap music. Right. But. Um, so unfortunately in this one, uh, this band is no, they are no longer active. Uh, Scott Hutchinson, he committed suicide in May of 2018. Um, the band didn't really officially disband until a little after that. Cause they, um, at the time it was the big 10th, 10th anniversary for, uh, their second album, the midnight organ fight, which was kind of the, one of the more popular ones. They were doing a tour for it and then they were supposed to do a release of, uh, essentially a covers album, but that got delayed. So that didn't get released until a couple of years later and they turned it into a whole charity thing, which is really cool. So the, the cover album is called tiny changes. It's basically people that, you know, really enjoyed Fright and rabbit or toured with them or had some connection to the band. They did, um, this cover as a covers album. So like examples on there, I think it's, um, twilight sad fellow Scotland band. There's Julian Baker, um, Ben Gibbard, yeah, Ben Gibbard. There was some I can't think of the name of the band, but they like reunited basically to perform a song on it. Um, and there's weirdly a song Sarah Silverman sings on with someone, which kind of threw me off the mm-hmm. first time. But um, they had her in this like mini YouTube doc where they kind of talk about the song that they chose to cover. And so yeah, she had some like really strong connection to the band, which was kind of interesting. I, I wouldn't have thought uh, to see that from like a bigger celebrity, I guess. So yeah, and I know. Uh Upon the announcement of Scott's passing, there was a big uh, outpouring of, you know, support from a lot of other musicians and celebrities. Uh, He did live briefly in L.A., so I don't know if he made some of those connections there, uh, because most of what they uh, recorded and worked on was uh, like East Coast, Connecticut, New York, and uh, mainly Scotland, obviously. So. That is uh, that is kind of intriguing to see how all of those connections kind of started. But I know, I think Death Cab was one of their early, um, early fans because they helped uh, support their UK Ireland tour in, I think, uh, 2008, um, mm. just before Midnight Organ Fight was released. So even though, you know, towards the end, I guess during 2018, um, they were also, they actually had demos working for a sixth album. So I know they exist. I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day in some way, shape or form. Um, obviously as a fan, I would like to see it come out. I, I even though I know there'll be demos, it kind of be cool to have this one last recording. Assuming Scott's vocals are done. I don't know what the status of them was. I just remember, a friend sharing um, an Instagram story from them. And it kind of showed the whiteboard with the tracking and where they were at certain things. So um, yeah, that'd be interesting to see if that ever makes the light of day. Yeah. So I, they've got good, some good platforms, I think to, to put them out, whether that's as part of fundraising uh, with the charity to go along with the tiny changes cover album. Um, I imagine obviously they're, they won't make any new music. So I could see an anniversary release of that. Um, 
just to, yeah, be, be cool to hear some new tracks in Scott's voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is our plea, Fry and Rabbit. Please put it out. I think all the fans would love to hear it. Um, music so now, music <laughs> now. Um, so I know you said you didn't really hear their songs until 2010. Um, did you ever go see them or like have interest in go seeing them live or just never kind of got to that level? It, uh, I, I did by the time I kind of really started paying attention and getting into them. I, there weren't, I didn't see a whole lot of shows coming back around. Um, cause the one I wish I would have, uh, uh, the, couple that I didn't see that played at the University of Illinois while we were there would have been that Fred Rabbit Courtyard show that they did. Yeah, that was that was cool to kind of get to see that. Like I I was just starting to get into the band. Like I remember on the Lala board, I put up a I was like trying to find a new band to listen to. And like they they had just released Midnight Organ Fight. And then I think White Rabbits released their album about that time. Mm. There might have been one other rabbit themed band, maybe Pepper Rabbit. So I made a poll. I'm like, all right, which rabbit band should I listen to next? And I think it was between White Rabbits and Frightened Rabbit. So I ended up listening to both. And like, I I took towards the Frightened Rabbit more. And this was when like MySpace was still a thing. And I think they announced the show on MySpace. Like that was their page that they had to share tour dates or information or whatever. Mm. It's like, oh yeah, we're playing the Courtyard in Champagne. Like, wait, what? Like. I didn't even know like there was a venue in the union. I had to figure out where the courtyard was. I'm like, what is this? Where is this? And it was only like three bucks too, which is crazy. Oh, wow. But I remember like I went to go see the show. I think you guys were hanging out at someone's apartment um, that night. Cause I remember I met up back up with you guys, I think, cause the show was done by like 10 and I got, I got to shake Scott's hand afterwards too, which is pretty cool. And I told him it was like a great show. He's like, Oh, he was, you know, very thankful. And I'm like, sweet. This is awesome. <laughs> Did, uh, he he wasn't handing out any biscuits with the show though. No, I didn't know about that then. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, yeah, that was that was one of my favorite anecdotes of them getting started early and him offering to send biscuits with the demos to anybody. That yeah, that is pretty funny. Like he he would send it like he sent them overseas too to pe- people here in the U.S. Which you know I'm sure a biscuit that's sent overseas probably isn't that good, but. <laughs> which uh, yeah, for for all of our U.S. listeners, you would understand those to be cookies. <laughs> <laughs> God translate. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to see them on the midnight organ fight tour they were doing. So I saw him probably, uh, I saw him in February of 18. So that was three months before he died. Oh wow! So yeah, it was pretty interesting. I saw it with Justin, our friend, Justin. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I kind of remember that. Yeah. It was cool. Like it was pretty much, they played like three or four songs to open and they ripped through midnight organ fight. And I think they closed with three or four songs from other albums. So, um, it was definitely a cool set. And it's, it's weird to think about now. Just like I saw him then. And then like three months later, he was dead. And it was just like, it's, it's weird. It's weird, man. What was that? What venue was that the second time? Uh, that was at Talia hall. They did two nights there. Um, it, like, so today is February 20th. So it was like February 17th. So just crossed like this week was the couple year mark when it happened. Or Yeah. Telly Hall is one of my favorite smaller venues in the city mm-hmm. too. So that, that'd be perfect. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was well worth it. Um, kind of like my, I'd say like my last personal connection here with the band is so when, after Scott did, uh, pass away, it was three months before my 30th birthday. And for some reason, his death and me turning 30, it kind of snowballed into me getting a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> like all my life before that, never, I mean, I mentioned the Chili Peppers one. I was thinking of like, oh, our friend Ben got the tattoo. So like, maybe I'll get one. And then I kind of said no. I'm like, all right, I put that away. Don't, I'm never going to get a tattoo. But like for whatever reason, it just kind of hit me weird. And it's kind of like stayed in my brain. Like I need to do something about this. Cause like, I love the band so much. And so Scott had a, I'll probably post a picture on the, social media post for this episode about it, but he had a tattoo on his arm. That's, uh, of the double armed cross. That's very prevalent in all the album art. So I took the triple cross, um, from pedestrian verse and took that and put it on my forearm in like the similar location where he had his. So if, if you know any frightened rabbit fans, I would say that's probably the most common tattoo you'll see from them is the, uh, the forearm, double armed cross basically. So, Mm -hmm. and it's been a downhill spiral ever since with tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) They're, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good one though. Kind of similar enough and make it, make it your own too. I mean, those are, those are the best ones. I think that you get, you got your own meaning for. Mm -hmm. I know definitely when I first got it, everyone's like, Oh, that's a nice power pole you have. I'm like, okay, that's, that's great. But and there was one year I um, I was in Texas for St. Patrick's Day visiting some friends and a friend of a friend, she had like a glitter kit. Essentially, she's big into costumes and makeup. She's like, oh, I want to put like glitter on. So I'm like, all right, I'll get a little bit of spear. Let's put some glitter on my tattoo. And so I did it in a way where it looked like it was almost a dragonfly on my arm then because I did like the, the horizontal cross is like green and the straight down was yellow. So it looked like the body. <laughs> so I was like, oh, sweet, sweet dragonfly tattoo. I'm like, oh, God, all right. <laughs> I'm never glittering my tattoo again, I think. So <laughs> don't don't let the haters bring you down, man. No, oh, I know. You gotta you it gotta be real it. with your truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I sit with this band. You know, they're probably my favorite band right now. They probably flip back and forth with another band. Um but I don't know. I love this band very much. I'm glad we're doing this ranking. I wanted to save it, but then I felt like, you know, let's just knock it out. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I think I think these will be better when we've got some that we can mix in, that we've got more of a, a personal connection with that we can speak to. So we've got some of the earlier ones we've either seen or um, had a connection to in, in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, this... Uh, this one, I think if I would have listened to it more beforehand, probably would have had more to say because the last two weeks have just been playing the their discography inside and out forwards to gear up for this. But there are definitely a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, of songs, things, just different times in my life that I can I could picture and connect with. Uh, and yeah, Scott's just got kind of, uh, a great writing 
technique. Um, I know most of these he talks about were just kind of spur of the moment. Um, he would kind of hum along and, and get the melodies and things he wanted. Then once he had those, the words would just kind of flow from there, um, mostly with what he was going through at the time. Um, and you can really feel that through most of their work. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think maybe on that note, I think we'll take a break here. Does that work for you? And then we'll, uh, we'll get into album discussion and rankings after our break. Yeah. I think it's a good spot. Let's do it. Welcome back from the break guys. I hope, uh, you enjoyed your reprieve from our voices. I don't know. <laughs> the two second break. <laughs> it's not much. Um, so as this is the back half of the podcast, this will be the time we talk about each album. So, um, Frightened Rabbit officially has five albums, uh, starting with 2006, Sing the Grays, 2008, The Midnight Organ Fight, 2010's The Winter of Mixed Drinks, 2013, Pedestrian Verse, and then finally 2016's Painting of a Panic Attack. So we will begin as always with the first album, 2006 sing the grays. Um, so the kind of the one thing I didn't realize about this is I think the only version I've been familiar with is the fat cat version. Cause I have the live, um, recording of the grays as the last track in the one I, um, obtained years ago. So, yeah, I didn't realize. So they originally released in 2006 under uh, Hit the Fan Records. And then I guess Fat Cat kind of scooped them up in twenty in 2007, and they were going to release the Midnight Organ Fight. But they're like, you know what? Let's kind of repackage this new album. So I think they kind of re-recorded some stuff and then released it out in 2007 under the Fat Cat label. So I don't think I've ever heard the original version of how that sounds production-wise compared to the slightly remastered version. Which would be kind of interesting. Uh, I did see, I think the original, uh, version with Hits the Fan was like a, a super limited run of a thousand or less copies. So I, I would be surprised if you did see that because I doubt it got yeah. stateside distribution. Right. Yeah. Cause Fat Cat is stateside, I believe. So, um, yeah, there, there's still a, um, UK based record yeah. label, but yeah. yeah. There, I don't, I've always kind of, when I've seen Fat Cat, I, I always think of like Fuel by Ramen or one of those other, I mean, mm, they're, okay. they're pretty widespread, but they're still more of a smaller label. Um, mm-hmm. They may not have sources. Um, but yeah, I think I saw, uh, Scott had said that they, uh, they kind of made everything louder and fuller and bigger in the remaster. So it would be interesting to see what the original recording sounded like compared to that. Yeah. And I think I, my biggest takeaway from this album was you can kind of hear the base of kind of what they want it to be. Cause it, obviously the next record doesn't sound like this at all or like any of the other records for that matter. I think this is the record that this mm-hmm. is how they intended to sound. And it comes through at least in, the last two records, in my opinion, in terms of like 
their kind of indie rock sound that they had. That's that's interesting because I I thought the um, like I, I would agree with it that this is definitely how they wanted to sound coming in. This is m- maybe the unrefined version, which I thought they took into the next album uh, and and were able to, you know, with more resources and, and more time that we'll talk at talk about. I don't I didn't really compare them as much to the last two albums. So that's it's kind of an interesting look. Yeah, it's definitely not a one to one thing. I for sure like the grays and square nine. Um just, just kind of the under, just the undertones of it, because it is a little all over the place in terms of all right. There's here, here's the indie rock kind of sound, but then there's some more of the quiet acoustical type songs in this. So it's yeah. just kind of a little bit. It's a mix, but I feel like it, the undertones. It's just the undertones are there. They're like, hey, this is kind of where they were going, and maybe it's just all the realisms I did just kind of drew my mind that way to kind of pull. I can like see the thread sticking out a little bit. Like, oh, okay, I kind of get. I can where see this that. comes from now. Yeah, because it, it definitely, um, you see, this is their, their first few albums. They kind of started and, and built, kept building and, and building as the album went along, um, through some of the sound and the, um, I don't know, what am I, vibrato or, or what they're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I could see kind of what you're saying with that, especially, with the grays. Um, and I guess it'd go more to the thematics of that. Um, it's still, I'd say this one is um, maybe a little bit more upbeat while it's still a lot of heavy um, content with the lyrics, everything. It, it takes more of a slightly um, indie pop sound to it, um, which was interesting. Especially, I, there's a big yeah, the grays, and then you kind of go right into music now, and there there was a bit of a difference in the sound between those two that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the chanting in that one. But uh, it's weird. It's funny. In an interview in 2018 uh, with the band Scott, he kind of indicated he, he doesn't totally care for this record, I guess. You know, he's like, I know people will disagree with me, but he calls it underwhelming to him because they, in their mind, they had an idea of where it wanted to go, but just never, the output wasn't fully what they envisioned, I guess, at the time. But he also mentioned, too, like at the time of the recording, he had a lot of Midnight Organ Fight written. And so he kind of says, oh, kind of the straggler songs got thrown into this album. So it's kind of, you know, it's weird to think because it, it did get released pretty quick. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if he's sitting there writing stuff all the time, you know, you're in, if you have the, they were basically ready to move on. They're like, you know what, let's just, we don't care about this record. Let's get ready for the second record. That's what we're excited about. So there seems to be a lack of care for this album. I still think it's, it, I never spun it a lot besides like the couple songs I mentioned before, the grays and square nine, but going back and listening to it a few times, I'm like, okay, kind of pull some other, you know, um, songs that I, that I enjoyed. I like music. Now you mentioned, and, um, it's, it, it's solid. I wouldn't call it underwhelming like he would, but, um, I think it's good. It's a good base. That's kind of where I stand with it. It's a good base for them. And they only went up from there. 
I, I would agree. Um, one of the other ones I'd mention uh, is yawns. I, I like that track a lot, but I mean, I mean, it got them. They got a, a decent amount of critical acclaim starting out with this record, uh, even though it didn't necessarily transition to immediate commercial success, mm-hmm. which which they'll get to. But yeah, I, I think it was a real strong start for them and paved the way for what to expect with the rest of their albums. Yeah. Um, I personally have nothing. I don't really have anything else to add for this album. Do you have anything? No, I think, uh, I think we're ready to hear how you got this ranked. Okay. So out of five, this one, so this was one of three albums. I kept flipping back and forth. I had this as high as three and then it kept bouncing around between three, four, and five. I eventually settled on five, uh, five for this one. I think because of the fact, like, there are some good highlights in the album, but I think, like I mentioned previously, it's it's kind of the base. It's there, and when I kind of started seeing the threads poke out of like, okay, this kind of sounds like Pedestrian Universe. This kind of sounds like Painting of a Panic Attack. So I kind of started when I started picking up those things. Like, all right, I'm gonna kind of, I kind of like knocked it down a little bit when I figured, like, all right, it's not. It's not terrible or anything like that as a five. It's just kind of, it's their baseline. That's why I said they can kind of only, they only went up from there, um, in my opinion. I like that. Yeah, it was definitely uh, on the first straight listen through that I did. Um, yeah, I think I had this as high as two at one point, but it flipped it around a lot. I went pretty much the same track, uh, but a, a little higher. So this ended at four. On my rankings. Okay. Yeah, I had it there until last night. I had it at four, and then when I was doing my final research last night, I'm like, no, dropping it. (laughs) So, okay. Close, no match yet. Um, So with that, we will move on to their second album, 2008's The Midnight Organ Fight. Um, This record is... Very brutally honest and direct and just super personal um, from Scott's lyrics and his perspective. It's because it basically happened kind of during, after a breakup, essentially. So it's just, it's all out there for everyone to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a story throughout the whole album from beginning to end as well, if you, if you really, um, sit there and, and listen to the lyrics that he's pouring through, which was interesting. Yeah. And kind of, uh, the innuendo based off the name too. the midnight organ fight is basically a reference to sex. <laughs> if no one picked up on that pretty quickly, but, <laughs> um, it is. And yeah, this, um, yeah, I don't know this. When I first listened to this album, it just kind of like pulled me in. I mean, obviously the modern leper is a good starting track. walks amongst you all you tired human beings to it, it kind of brings you in it doesn't seem to it just seems like a different vibe a little bit with it I don't know it seems a little more upbeat than it needs to be in terms of the grand context of the record but yeah I still it kind of pulls you in but then it just kind of 
beats you up and brings you down with as you're getting through the rest of the tracks. Yeah, yeah, I would I'd agree. It definitely Modern Leopard grew on me more and more going through that. Uh, there there were peaks and and valleys throughout the whole thing too. So it it's not really the straight nosedive of uh, yeah. depression that a lot of it talks about, um, which, which makes it even more compelling because you, you can see that mental state and you know how, how difficult that is to maintain um, like good arms versus bad arms is uh, have heavy lyrics, but also, sounds kind of upbeat if you're not really paying attention mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um which which i enjoyed um yeah and then i i believe uh, i don't remember the the track maybe it's poke uh but this is kind of where you hear the first mention of suicide from him yeah i guess i don't remember the order i i definitely have poke down as I'm marking it as underrated, maybe, because it's just him. It's just Scott and his guitar, basically. If you don't want to be with me, just say, and I will go. But that one's, like, just very heavy, lyrically, I think. It's just kind of, when he played it, um, Two of the times I saw him, you just kind of, everyone just like shuts up and just listens. It's oh, yeah. everyone just what takes that song in as it should. Just yeah, it's because yeah, I, I believe it's the "I'll save suicide for another day" lyric is from Poke, uh, and that just kind of grounded me into the whole mindset that he was going through in that See, album. I, I thought that was in "Floating in the Fourth. Is it? I think it could have been that. I didn't write that down specifically, which I should have. I'm doing like a quick check here. But I think because in because floating in the fourth, which ironically, when Scott did commit suicide, he was found on the banks of the fourth. Like it was very real. Like he did commit or not commit. He, and fully clothed, I'll float away. Down the fourth into the sea. At that time, when I guess he was writing it, it was something he was considering. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that part is just really eerie about, yeah, I'll think I'll save suicide from their days and floating in the fourth. Okay, that's floating. Yeah, so it's really eerie that he wrote the song about suicide and then it actually happened at the kind of the location that he sung about. It's, yeah, this that song kind of takes on a new meaning and a new life, I guess, after his death. It's yeah. It's not to de- I guess it's not depressing, depressing. I don't know. It's just this whole album has a different vibe now, I guess, kinda after his passing. Yeah, it uh it it brings you back into a different reality, I think. Yeah. I mean I'll even admit for this one, I I connected with this uh during a breakup of my own. I like I listened to this a lot when I was being a sad person. Um, so it, I feel it, man. I feel it. He was singing about something real and emotional and raw and it just kind of, it is a good breakup album. So if you're going through something, maybe listen to this or I don't know if it make you feel worse. I don't know, but <laughs> you can kind of feel for it. You feel the connection. You feel like he's singing about you. Maybe. 
but yeah. Yeah. This they, is such a crazy deep album. I, I will say this is the one, if you're gonna listen to Frightened Rabbit, I say, listen to this album. You need to listen to this album. Yeah. I, I, I would agree. Okay. Um, pretty much sure I've got it. I, I do want to show up. Uh, old, old fashioned. I also want to mm. shout out here. Cause that, uh, that track I enjoy a lot. Yeah, that one's good. I, uh, which one? Uh, I always remember, I remember the lyric, like, Jesus was a Spanish boy's name. Yeah, I that's, can't, um, I can't keep for, I can't remember. Was that Backwards Walk? No, it's the, it's the next track, I think. <sighs> I just remember, it was funny, when I saw him in Texas, uh, is the second time I saw him, maybe, one of my buddies, we were working together at, at TI and we went to lunch and he, he had Frightened Rabbit on the car. I'm like, Oh, you listen to Frightened Rabbit too? He's like, yeah, I love it. And he's like, I was like, Oh, what's the song with this lyric? I'm like, Oh, I think it's like track six. And it, <laughs> I just like knew it right away. Um, but, ah, oh, crap. What is that song? I can like hear the tune in my head. Mm-hmm. Heads roll off. Yeah. Yep. Heads yeah. Roll off. Yeah. Heads roll yeah, off. Yeah. Okay. That's a good, uh, yeah, it's a good one too. Like, honestly, I could recommend every song in this album. I don't care. Yeah, just, my backwards walk's great. Keep yourself warm. Yeah, it's also they're great. all so, so good. Even like, even the little like interlude things are kind of nice too. The, um, it's like pink bookmark and extra super very or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Just nice, nice little, I think when we saw him, when Justin and I saw him, play the album in full. I think they just kind of did like, it was just like a tape recording type thing or whatever. So they didn't actually play it, but it's still kind of cool that they actually included it or whatever still. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I pretty much had, you know, uh, you could hear an improved confidence and polish with Scott's vocals and kind of the band sound all around. It's a little bit warmer in this album from sing the grays. Uh, but yeah, I made the point there, there really aren't any weak spots on this album. Mm-hmm. I think this is still definitely, I mean, out of all of them, we'll, we'll obviously touch on it as we keep going, but um, this is definitely probably the last out of the five. This is definitely the super, this is the most, most personal one that he did. I think there's dashes here and there in the other one, in the later ones that we're going to talk about here, but this is probably the last one where it's like a true, almost like biopic essentially of his life. Yeah. I think that at least stronger from telling, telling a full story and being rooted in exactly what he's going through from a lyrical content. Mm. There, uh, there is one of the later ones that I thought, um, was definitely, uh, so this painting of a panic attack, uh, I thought that one felt the most emotional and vulnerable to me mm. from Scott's writing. Interesting. I mean, that was about, yeah, eight years after this album. So, you know, he's a little older, he's got some different perspectives. Maybe that added to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we could talk to that when we get there in a couple albums here, but I, I don't have anything left, I guess, for this album. Anything else you want to add for Midnight Organ Fight? Uh, no, I think uh, think the one kind of speaks for itself. Okay. Um, ranking, you uh, you your turn to go first this time. Where do you have it? One so, five. 
this one is the one that's going to check in at number one for me. Same, same. It's, it's a standout album. It's yeah. I, I can't recommend it enough. It's the only one I have on uh vinyl right now from them too. until I slowly complete the rest of their discography, but <laughs> yeah, must, I think it's an absolute must listen for everybody for this band. Absolutely. Or if, you're, or if you just, if you're feeling kind of sad or want to feel sad, give it a spin. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So on that note, being sad, we'll move on to the third album, the winter of mixed drinks, 2010. So a couple years later, um, this is their last record on fat cat records. Um, this one seems to, the content strays a little bit from the personal side of things. It's still, it's kind of there. It seems like semi, biographical in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think cause he was already past the breakup. He's in a different stage of his life. He, you know, wasn't writing about that sort of stuff. And also I noticed there's definitely, there's definitely some, it feels like it's, it's more positive um, sound compared to midnight organ fight. So it's kind of like he got through it and now it's kind of like, let's be a little more positive on things. Yeah. I, I thought it was definitely the most upbeat and, optimistic sounding. Um, there's still, there's still kind of that storyteller aspect through the whole thing, but it, it's not as personal, um, that he was drawing from. Right. Uh, and, um, I know he, uh, he stayed in, his, uh, Crail Fife, which I uh, small coastal town in Eastern Scotland and would kind of walk the beach as part of his daily routine. Um, so you hear a lot of kind of a nautical theme mm-hmm. throughout this record. Yeah, definitely a few of the more pop, not maybe not popular, but more of the um, accessible songs, I guess, have that nautical, a lot of ocean swimming and getting thrown in the ocean or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I also felt too, it had some, um, maybe it's the positivity of it all that adds to this, but there's definitely a couple like anthemic type songs where you just want to sing, you know, you want to, especially at a concert when they would play it, you want to like yell and sing along with it. Uh, Loneliness and the scream and then living in color were the two that stood out to me for that aspect. You just, I can see that. if you're in the big crowd, you know, a couple thousand people and you're all just screaming the parts at them or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Especially living in color. That one's very strong vibe for that. Yeah, it's the one with all the woes at the end, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that it's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anthemic. That's kind of where I'm at with some of this. Um, I do remember though when it first came out, I you know I was super hyped for it, and I think I remember being a little disappointed in it because um, it wasn't the same as Midnight Organ Fight. So this one, it definitely had a slow burn for me though. It kind of, as I listened to it throughout the years and kept listening to it, and picked up different things. I'm like, okay, you know what? It's it's better than I thought it was when it first came out. Yeah, and it does have so swim until you can't see land is still probably my favorite. I may have died in the landslide, the rocks and hopes and fear. 
throw on every once in a while and listen to so that being on this album uh the the first through uh was really high on it and then for some of those same points it did just feel a little underwhelming coming off of midnight organ fight um and dropped it down so this this is the one i think i had in just about every spot of the rankings at some point during these listens. Yeah. I think too, like touching back on what I, what I said about the grays, I think this is kind of the first, this is getting the first taste of kind of what they want to go for in terms of their sound, like what they originally intended for, I think, but it's not a hundred percent there yet. I think they get there in the next album, but so you kind of see their trend and their sound, I guess a little bit for this. Yeah, which makes sense because they've they've kind of slowly been filling out their band roster uh, as they've gone through these. So add in some additional guitars and keyboards. um, That's where they can do some different sounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, As they they do stay um, pretty unadulterated in a lot of that. So there's not a lot of. effects pedals or anything they just try and get the natural sound out of all the guitar work that they can which is interesting Mm -hmm. yeah you have uh any more with this one no i've got nothing more on this do you uh no okay ranking for this one um so this was another of the three that I had to go back and forth between three, four, and five. <laughs> I had it as high as three. I had it at five last night, but I ended up pulling this up to four. I think it's kind of, it's the step. It's the step they were trying to, you know, they were showing their step with what they wanted to sound like, but they still didn't quite get there yet. I do like the positivity, but I still, I kind of, I like, since I like the personal side of the Midnight Organ fight, that's why I kind of like the next two a little more than the Winter of Mixed Drinks. For sure. Yeah, this one, I ended up right in the middle on this one at uh, number three. Okay. Um, and I, I kind of split the next two albums, uh, obviously, with what I've got ranked so far of above and below we'll get into for, for some of the same reasons. Okay. All right. So now, uh, we will move on to their fourth album, 2013's pedestrian verse. So this is their first, uh, major label release. They released it on Atlantic records. Um, this is kind of, I think this is kind of where they hit their sound of, they found, they, they found their groove, which transitioned to the next record of kind of that indie rock sound, some of the personalness is kind of back. It's still not, nothing's going to be as personal as Midnight Organ Fight. I think you can kind of see shades of it. I think in like the song Holy, which I think, I think that might be my favorite Frightened Rabbit track overall out of all the released work. So, yeah, I think this is just, to me, this is just another super deep album. Like, I could list 
I, I would, if, if someone's looking for a song rack for this, I'm like, I'd just pick any of them. I don't care. Like they're all really good. So I, yeah, like my understanding is like the woodpile, backyard skulls, state hospital. Um, but yeah, really, I think kind of anything on this album is good. So the, uh, I th- the, my two favorite were probably dead now and, uh, and the oil slick. Light on warm. I've got a voice like a gutter in a toxic storm. Which some of this, so this was the first one that the other band members really had a big um, contribution towards the writing and direction of the album. They did produce this one themselves, but up until this point, Scott was pretty much the sole songwriter. So you could hear there's a broader subject matter in this for the most part. Um, but Scott did go through another breakup during this album. So that's where you, you kind of hear some of the, those darker songs hit in, in a section towards the end as well. Mm-hmm. I noticed too, with the sound on this, I feel like the drum work definitely seems more amplified, I guess, compared to the previous record. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's just this type of songs they're playing, maybe because they're playing more of the, rockier songs or I don't know just how they mixed it. I have no idea, but it sounds like just Grant is just kind of beating the shit out of drums and some of them, which is a good thing. I thought just kind of adds a nice emphasis to some of the songs. Yeah, there's uh I felt like this was, um, I would compare this to the grays in a sense where they're, there's kind of the sound that they were going for now. And this was the first step in that direction. Um, if there would have been another uh, full album, I think that uh, painting of a panic attack ends up going back in a slightly different direction. So I wouldn't call that a, uh, a true next step up from this. If they were able to make another album, uh, kind of following in this footsteps, I think it would have been much improved. Um, I, I just felt compared to his previous albums that the, this just didn't have the same heart put into a lot of it. Interesting. Um, so maybe it's just thing that I just like uh, Scott's writing and, and style a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, where I, I enjoyed this album early. Um, but just not, it it felt different from all of the others to me. Okay. Okay. Um, But, and this is also the one uh, where Gordon joined and left for one single album. Mm -hmm. Um, And they never gave any true reason. Sometimes things don't work out and people don't see eye to eye and they split up. Um, so I think it's just kind of a, whether it was musical or, or personal styling, so it just wasn't a fit for the whole band, which maybe had some to do with what I'm picking, was picking up on listening to this. Maybe. Interesting. Well, I think with that note, should we d- jump into uh, rankings? Uh, yeah. Let's okay. do it. 
So I guess this will uh, be your my turn to go first on this one. Um, so yeah, I think probably gave it away some, but uh, this ended up being my number five mm-hmm. in their discography. So yeah, for me, uh, this falls at number two. I think. I think. I mean, obviously, I I do enjoy Holy a lot, so I think that helps pull it up for me. I mean, yeah, I did base the tattoo off this album art too. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think the body the body of songs in here, it just kind of clicked for me more, and I I liked the start of this direction. I guess where they were going. Yeah, and I I, I same. I think this was a good start, and I would have really liked to see another album um, where they built off of this. I think written really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's all yeah, I think it's just personal preference at that point like this is still a really good album um, just felt off enough from the rest of their discography uh, yeah. to, to fall to the bottom sure okay so now we'll move on to their final album 2016's Painting of a Panic Attack um, so yeah this is Unfortunately, their last record uh, that they released, um, I think on this one, so this one they actually had Aaron Dressner uh, from The National as their producer. You know, mm-hmm. I think they were tour mates before, so they had some connection there, and he brought him in. And I think Aaron, he's the one who's doing Taylor Swift stuff recently, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but he, they kind of, I feel like they kind of embraced more of the... Um, major label aspect, kind of a little bit more mainstream sound for this record. I don't know if that's having to do with uh, outside producer come in and, you know, do that sort of thing. Cause you said the last album they produced themselves. Um, so I don't know, like they, they seem to embrace it a little more, but they do. Um, I feel like they dabbled back more with the personal territory in terms of the writing or the lyrical content, at least maybe not, overtly personal like midnight organ fight but at least it's still kind of there in a vague sense you kind of pick up on it yeah yeah it's just kind of uh this was the most haunting sounding album to me i think the best way i would describe that yeah um so yeah it it did pull back in a little bit stronger connection maybe to um you know their their personal inputs into this record and these songs. Um, cause I, I think Scott went back to being the main, um, songwriter of most of this album. Mm-hmm. I think he was kind of, I, I think he, I, I think what brought back the personal nature of it all was, I think he was going through another breakup of sorts or maybe not a breakup yet, but some, some stuff with his girlfriend at the time. I don't, there was something there. I think that, um, possibly contributed to the song, the lyrical content about it. Cause I think this is also the biggest, um, like what, uh, the last album pedestrian verse was 2013. Mm-hmm. And this was 2016. So about the same layoff between, between the last two albums. Um, but yeah, I got the sense that there were a little, worn out from touring after pedestrian verse and want to take a little break. Um, and like this is when he moved to LA to live with his girlfriend. 
Um, and then obviously by the end of this, they were all back in Scotland. So I imagine there, there was something there that contributed a lot yeah. uh, to the state of mind. Yeah. There's a, uh, I think kind of some stuff that touches on that personal nature uh, or personal lyric content. I think probably like, it's like maybe a little bit of death dream, maybe a little bit. Of, I wish I was sober. Maybe, probably for sure I wish I was sober I think it's uh, a more personal song yeah an otherwise disappointing life and blood under the bridge I would add to that too yeah I think so it always just kind of it always kind of circles the theme the personal theme but yeah I never I never felt like it went head on into it again yeah it was more um just kind of general attitude and feeling towards, I think than than an actual story um, of what he was experiencing. Mm-hmm. I don't think we mentioned it at the beginning, um, but frightened rabbit came from uh, a nickname that his, his mother used to call Scott when he was younger um, because of his chronic shyness. Uh, I think, you know, was a shyness or anxiety or a depression that he was kind of fighting through for most of his life affected a lot of his songwriting. And and you can hear it in the albums, I think kind of where, where he was in his life uh, and what he was going through. Yeah, definitely. I think too, this one, it's probably, I guess, the production of it, too, but I feel like there was a little more of the keys or synths or something were kind of added to this album, which kind of added a different layer, um, which which I kind of enjoyed. I didn't mind it too much. Um, yeah, I thought you got a, you kind of got a taste of it in pedestrian verse, um, and then they, they brought it to a, a higher level in this album for sure. Yeah. I don't really have too much else for this. Do you have anything you'd like to add before we get to our ranking? No, I think, uh, time to peg the last one. All right. Last one. Uh, I guess it'll be me this time. So for me, this was part of my three through five shuffle. Um, I eventually settled on number three for this one. I think it's, it's in the same road as, all right, they found their sound, and I, I think I, I can't put anything exactly on it. I just connected with pedestrian first a little more than I did with this one, so that's why this kind of went down to three for me. Yeah, and my uh, my one spot left is uh, putting this at number two. Um, so yeah, I, I saw a little bit opposite between the last two. Ultimately, I, we're pretty close on that one. Um, it was one of those midnight organ fight and this one are those that are a little bit more depressing, you know, not, uh, not having the best 
day and just kind of want to wallow in it, I would throw those two on. Um, where winter of mixed drinks is one where, you know, it's kind of like, I'm feeling like that, but I want to get to a better state of mind. So I, I would put winter of mixed drinks on. Um, so a lot of it's just, there's, there's a lot of mood that goes into what I would probably play at any given time too. Mm -hmm. Um, but this, this shot back up, um, more in the vein of midnight organ fight for me. Yeah. Um, all right. So to recap here, uh, we'll go reverse order like we usually do. So number five, I had sing the grays. I had pedestrian verse. Number four, I had the winter of mixed drinks. And I had the grays there. Number three, I just had painting of a panic attack. I've got the winter of mixed drinks. Number two, I had pedestrian verse. And I've got painting of a panic attack. And then number one, we both agree, midnight organ fight. So uh, it's a good record. They're all good records. Definitely a band worth checking out. Um, I think on that note, we also want to kind of integrate some, uh, I guess we'll call this a new section, uh, band recommendations. Mm -hmm. I think if you enjoyed the sound of frightened rabbit i think um some other bands i've got a couple here obviously so scott also had a couple side projects um owl john was kind of his solo thing which kind of got a little comeback recently after his death because coldplay kind of sampled um one of the songs on, on the record, maybe not sampled. I think he, they stole, not stole the melody, but they kind of shared the melody in a sense. And he, he kind of did it as a tribute to Scott as, from what I remember him talking about, Chris Martin talking about. Um, so Al John's, uh, cool to check out. Um, mm -hmm. there's also master system, which was a side project he did with his brother and a couple other, um, Scottish band people. Um, I think one guy from the editors and one guy from another band. I believe they were also brothers. Two, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm not sure, but it's it's a little it's kind of frightened rabbity sound, but it's a little it's a little, it's different enough. Um, so that's worth checking out. Um, and I think my last recommendation would be uh, the Twilight Sad. I think they were they were good buddies, and uh, the Twilight Sad was the band to cover "Floating in the Fourth on the Tiny Changes cover record too. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was kind of like their their song too. They basically had first right of refusal, I think. So Makes sense. on that one, basically. <laughs> uh, so yeah, all those three are worth checking out. Did you have any recommendations at all for? Um, the uh, the Twilight Sad, I definitely had. Another one, um, just the, the Scottish band connection. Uh, not necessarily 100% similar, but deal with uh, some heavier themes sometimes. Um, I'd throw Bell and Sebastian in there. Um, mm -hmm. I think some, some people, if you like frightened rabbit, you'll like some of their stuff as well. Yeah, they are very good bands. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of about it. Uh, so for plugs this time, uh, so I know, you know, suicide is kind of a little of a prevalent theme in here. And so, you know, we had, we'll have the tag up top of the show, but, uh, the suicide prevention hotline, the number is going to be in the show description. I think it's, you know, something people should take seriously. And if you know anybody or if you think you need help, 
definitely call that number. Um, it's 800-273-8255. Um, use the resource. And then I think also, um, I'll shout out the tiny changes charity. That's the charity, uh, basically Scott's family basically set up after his death, uh, to help promote, uh, mental health awareness and, um, basically get changes for that, help people out in any way possible. So a link for that will be in the show description as well. And then uh, on the, the Frightened Rabbit website there, if you go and check it out, they do have the Tiny Changes album and, and some merch uh, and stuff as well that's got some interesting artwork. But any of those purchases uh, go to supporting the Tiny Changes Foundation. Um, and then just uh, for more general uh, kind of mental health awareness, uh, there's two Mental Health America and National Council for Behavioral Health are also good for some resources, um, you know, day to day, where to find providers, um, how to, how to cope with different things, uh, that you may be feeling. Um, but also just, uh, you know, reach, reach out to friends and family too, especially right now, uh, with, everyone going through this COVID lockdown for a year now. Uh, I know I've, I've definitely personally gone through some of the lows that, that have come with being isolated, um, for, for some time. Uh, so it's always good to just know who you can reach out to and, and speak with and have those foundations. Very well said. Um, so yeah, I think that's the end of the episode, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, tune in next episode. We will be discussing Run the Jewels. So get your listening in early and listen along with us as we index our discography. Frank Rabbit is now headed.